two. Welcome back to the Alchemist Nation podcast. My name is Walter Morello, and I get the pleasure to travel all across the, uh, the country speaking to professionals in real estate and in sales. Today, I've got a very special guest on the Bigger Pockets podcast, Steve Sims. Welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Big shout out for Brendan Turner there. Well done. So, Steve, I noticed uh, as soon as you got on, you just got this high level of energy. And uh, where does that come from? Um, I'm selfish. Um, I don't want to do anything unless I can do it right and I could do it to the max. So if I'm going to do a cappuccino, I've got a great barista here. If I'm going to go on a motorbike, it's going to be a damn good motorbike. If I'm going to spend 25 minutes with you, I'm going to bring it. Otherwise, I'm selling myself short. I'm doing myself a disservice. And also, have you noticed that when you give out energy, you get energy back? You know, I started talking to you and me and you, we were there already, you know? And how can that not pump you up? You know, you're going to come off of this call. And we've all had telephone calls where we've been on the phone going, yeah, yeah no, I understand what you mean, but no, 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 you're right. And it drains you. And you come off the phone, you put the phone down, you're like, fuck, I hated that call. And you're all dejected and you can't get into anything. If you exert energy, you gain energy. You come off the phone and you're like, where do I go next? What am I going to do? And you're out. So I try to move with purpose. I try to move with direction. And it's selfish for my own energy. And what I'm going to give out into the world is what I'm going to get back tenfold. That's the truth, man. And so for anybody who doesn't know, Steve Sims wrote the book, Blue Fishing. And blue fishing has become a way of life, not just in your community and, and around the world, but within our own personal community in Alchemist Nation, everybody will, will tell somebody, oh, you just blue fished that person. Oh, nice. That was blue fishing. Mm. So I know you tell the story in the book, but if you could, again, tell us the story of how you came to blue fishing, the, the word itself. Oh, it's weird. So um, bottom line of it is, as a, as, a, as a guy growing up in East London, I had no money. I knew what it was like to be poor because, hey, that was me. I had the badge. Um, and I didn't like it. No one likes it. It sucks. You know, they say money can't make you happy, but it could buy a damn nice yacht. So, um, <laughs> you know, then, then you're fine. Uh, but I just wanted to hang around with rich people. And I went through a whole thing. You can read about it in the book if you want, but I ended up becoming a doorman and I went from a noble profession of being a masonry, a bricklayer to being a doorman where my job description was to slap people, you know? And I didn't really like that, but I saw the world and I started throwing these uh, backroom parties and closing down nightclubs. And I did all of these things to invite rich people. If I could give rich people a really good night, I could get 30 minutes engagement with you and quite simply go, hey, how do you see that problem? How come you're wealthy? How come you're successful? And I could ask those questions. So that's how it started. But something funny happened. I realized if you can try, and this went from my, from my bouncer days. If you control your front door, you remove 99% of the problems the other side. If I let just anyone into the club, hey, I'm swinging fists all night. If I focus on letting people in that are there for a good time, smiling, happy, and one of the ways I did it was I gauged that temperature on the way in. You know, and I did it with a smile. You know, hey, you're looking for a good night tonight? You know, and they'd be like, yeah. And then I'd be like, well, then this isn't for you. Cough, go somewhere else and we'll see you another time. Come back when you're smiling. 
And one of the ways I would do my parties was I would send very wealthy people and they would go, oh, I'm trying to get into this party. Go there, ask for Jimmy, tell him Sim sent you, and name two of the Teletubbies. And that'd be it, you know? I would give them something stupid to say and I'd walk up to Jimmy and they're like, uh, Jimmy, Sim sent me, um, Tinky Winky Po. And they'd be like, ah, oh, get on in, mate. And the funny thing was, they would walk through the door. A, you're humble and confident enough to be able to say it, and it can't do anything other than make you smile. And one of the, uh, one of the ones that we did, that we obviously did too many times, was you've got to finish this Dr. Zeus statement. One fish, two fish, red fish. So they would walk up to the dorm and they'd be like, blue fish, in you come. And that's how it started. It started off as a stupid password. And then people started contacting me going, hey, you're the guy that makes those amazing parties. You're that, 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 that blue fish man. And that's how it started. And I'd be like, no, not really, but okay. And it went from there. And then I noticed some shift. I started throwing amazing parties and then I would get a superstar to come in as a surprise. And people were like, you have no idea what Sims is going to do. Now, again, I was doing it to keep your engagement. But now the reputation was going around and people started going, oh, you go to one of his events, but you don't know how he's going to bluefish it. You don't know how you come out. Just your, your mind's been bluefished. And people were saying, and I'm like, I didn't even know bluefish existed. I didn't actually know it was a real creature outside of Dr. Zeus. But people would literally contact me and go, Sims, I threw this birthday party for my daughter last night. And it was pretty good. But I thought to myself, how can I bluefish the crap out of it? So I had this elephant come in and it was purple. And, and, and all of a sudden it became a mindset, an adjective. And it became a point where we wouldn't settle for what we were given or what we could do, what we could achieve. And that was the thing. All of a sudden, it, it, it grew its own legs. It became this monster that I never had control over. And I've ended up working with everyone from, God, Sir Elton John to Elon Musk. You know, I've worked with the Vatican. I've worked with Andrea Bocelli. You know, all over the planet, never settling for what I could achieve, going for what was ridiculous. And that became the blue fishing mentality. And it's crazy because it starts with you having a very clear understanding that you wanted to hang with celebrities. Like you wanted to hang no. out with really successful people. Bingo. You'll be amazed at how many celebrities are poor. Okay. <laughs> you know, how many times do you hear, um, or you'll probably have to Google it, but there was a rapper that like released a, a number one tune like four years ago. And all of his boys are out there. They're buying the Louis Vuittons. They're riding around in the Bacardi. They're chomping it up in the private jets. And now he's flipping burgers in Compton. You know, it, there's, there's a slide because uh, it's not consistent. You know, uh, I remember um, Jay-Z turned around and said, if you can't afford it twice, you can't afford it. And I was like, you know, that is, that is just powerful. But so many people would, would buy on Hawk. You know, I've got 100 grand. Let me put it down on a million dollars. And so all of a sudden they would do it. That's great in real estate. It ain't great when it's Louis Vuitton luggage, you know? And that's what they would do. So I would go after, and I made a mistake. It's, it's a good job you picked up on this. 
when I started doing this, again, my Trojan horse was I wanted to be in front of a successful person. And the first question I used to ask them is, hey, Jimmy, um, how come you're rich and I'm not? And that is a bad question. Because when I ask you how rich you are, what's the first thing you think of? You think of your bank balance, don't you? How much yeah. money do I have? Now, money is a byproduct of you investing well, being successful. All the other, it's a byproduct. And it's an ugly thing to talk about. So people would be very hesitant to talk to me. So I thought, right, okay. And I learned very early on, if I don't like the answer, it's because I'm asking the wrong question. All right, write that oh, down, okay. folks. Um, but one of the, so I changed it. So then I went back and I went, hey, Jimmy, you know, how come you're so wealthy? You know, that was also a bad question. Do you know why? Because all of a sudden I got people saying to me, because my home is everything to me. And I, I focus on my family and my religion. That's great, but I ain't going to marry your wife, you know, or join your <laughs> church. This isn't helping me. So again, wrong question. So then I tweaked it a third time and it'd be like, hey, Jimmy, how come you're successful and I'm not? And bingo. All of a sudden, people started talking to me about mindset, action, priority, focus. And I'm like, I've opened the gates. And what I would do was if I had a rich client, um, and I only dealt with rich clients, and I specifically marketed to billionaires, okay? And I would say to them, hey, you know, how come you're successful? You know, what, what, why do you think it is that you're successful and, and someone else is not? You know, I'm a bricklayer. I would get up at four o'clock in the morning, go home at eight o'clock at night. So I know how to work hard. You know, I think I've got street smart. So I know how to work smart. But how come you're rolling in millions a month and I'm not? How come you're successful? And I learned all of these lessons. And along the way, started using them for me and then started using them for clients. And I started coaching. I started teaching. And when the book came out, I literally have a very good coaching program now and I do Sims Media that, you know, I promote other people how to do it. I spent 25 years using the rouge of a high-end concierge firm as no other reason than to get in front of affluent people like Jean-Paul de Jouria, Richard Branson, Elon Musk, Peter Diamandis, and say to them, how come you're successful? What is it? What is it? And I learned three, I, I learned loads of things. And if you like, do you want me to give you the three things? Oh my God, Steve, bring me the three things. <laughs> All right, these are three things. Do nothing else in your life bar these three things and you will change your income. Again, your income is reflective as an outcome of your success and changes. Not, you don't wake up rich, okay? You start by changing the small things and your side product, you become rich. So. These were the three things that came up to me. The first thing is they value time differently to non-successful people. You see, look at COVID. COVID hit, we couldn't go to work. And the amount of people that I saw on Facebook going, oh, we can't get out of the house now. What do you su suggest I binge watch on Netflix? You know? Jesus, man, you know, do something with your life. The successful person is the person that goes, hey, I can make more money, but I can't make more time. So what can I do with this hour that's going to change it? Hey, I'll work out. I'll learn to cook. 
I'll learn a language. I'll play, play guitar. I will do something that, that, that I can now benefit from. I'm going to use this hour and not use it for, for Netflix's game. I love so that. So they and, value and, time yep, go more than other people. That, that's such a, a powerful truth. So that's, that's two, wealth principle two for, well, for that's the first Sims. one. That's the first one is they value time differently from, from poor people. Yeah. Yeah. They, they didn't say I'm watching Netflix. They said, I'm, I'm doing something. I'm learning. I'm adding a skill. Huge. And when you huge. talk, when you talk to these people, you know, they don't, they don't know how to talk chit chat. You know, they don't want to call a crap. They don't care what you watched on Netflix or what takeaway you had last night. When I talk to successful people, they will say to me, so Steve, you know, what are you working on? That's going to make a change. What are you disrupting? How are you doing it? They, it's almost like being interviewed. Successful people interview each other. They don't chit chat. Okay. There's no room for that. So that's the first thing. Second thing. Have you ever heard this thing, how, how affluent people turn around and go, that's great, let's do lunch. And you go, oh, let's do lunch. That's what uh, your rich people do. They, let's do lunch. The reason they're doing it is because they retain, engage, employ on culture and relationships. You see, we could all lie. We could all say that we maxed out at Stanford, okay? And maybe we would get through. I know I've got through a few jobs where I've, you know, done the best Harry Potter bullshit on my resume. But they want to recruit culture and relationships. All the techniques, hey, I can send you on a course to learn that. But if you don't fit my mindset, if we're not sharing the same vision, if we don't share the same culture of what we're both trying to achieve, you can't teach that. So the second thing for you people making notes and you bloody well should be is people recruit affluent, successful people recruit on relationships and culture. The rest of it, that's just training. That's number two. Number three, the big finale. And you're going to love this one because I'm, I'm going to ask you straight off the bat. Have you ever failed? <laughs> All the time, every day. <laughs> Good man. Successful people Lean into failure to see where the education is. You see, you don't get smarter with compound interest rates. You get smarter by, by what you did at the beginning to get into that position. All of the success comes from learning the education from things that went wrong. Failure creates experience. Experience is education. Okay? Education, you're now credible. These are all, you don't get those, those final three things without first of all starting a failure. I guarantee you the first time you did a podcast, it was shit. Guaranteed. Because entrepreneurs need to realize the first time you do anything that you've not done before, it's going to be shit. Okay? You can't build perfection from a freaking PowerPoint. You have to start doing it. So, lesson for all of you out there, get going, then get good. Steve, I love how you you just know that my first episode was terrible. I, I say it to everybody. The first book, my first episode, it's like, look, you could probably do without The next one will be better. Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember a friend of mine when he said to me, because I do a podcast, The Art of Making Things Happen, and he said, record 18 podcasts first before you upload them. He said, do 18. And I was like, oh, why is that? Is it the algorithm? And he was like, yeah, okay. We, we'll come <laughs> back to that. And I was like, oh, it must be a way of... 
18 must be the tricky number. And when I did the 18, I went, right, I'm ready. He said, right, good. Now listen to them all and get rid of the ones that are shit. We ended up with three left. Three out of 18. And still they're turd when you compare them to what they're like a year later. I wish I'd gone back and taken that advice. Where were you when I started this? I just posted those. And of the 18, maybe three of them, if I'm lucky, are good. Yeah, but it's, it's the way of all of us, isn't it? See, the downside today, people, it's the perception of failure. Failure is education, okay? That's the beautiful thing. And people look at failure now as humiliating. Oh, I don't want to try that because I could fail and then I'll be laughed at. You're going to be laughed at by people that don't try shit, okay? That, you know, who cares about them? Ignore them. In fact, if they're laughing at you, use that as fuel to gain more education so that you can come back. I had a client of mine, just to give you a little story for people that don't know who and what I do. I had a client of mine contact me. I've been working with him for ages. And he said, Sims, I'm going to Florence. I need a great dining experience. Now, I could have gone on the Italian version of Open Table, contacted the restaurant, slipped him a couple of hundred bucks and got the chef to walk out and greet them to make him look like a big deal in the restaurant. That would have been okay. That would have been what other people do. I ended up taking over the Academia de Galleria, the largest museum in Florence that houses the iconic Michelangelo uh, statue of David, the most iconic statue in the planet. I set up a table of six at the feet of this statue, got a Tuscan chef, well-known Tuscan chef, to come in and serve them a meal. And halfway through the pasta, I brought in Andrea Bocelli to serenade them during that dinner. That's what I do. I go for stupid. I go for what is the most ridiculous thing that I could possibly conceive. I had a couple that wanted to get married, so I arranged it in the Vatican with the Pope. You know, what is the most ridiculous thing? You You want a drum lesson? I arranged it with Guns N' Roses. I had a client who wanted to play guitar. Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top did it, you know? I, I basically go, how stupid can I make this? And do you know the daft thing is? In the early days, I used to get turned down. Hey, I don't get turned down much now, you know, because people go, so what have you done? Well, I did this with the Titanic. I did this with uh, James Cameron. I did this with Andre Bocelli. And they turn around and they go, yeah, 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 whatever you need. Let's. So the more ridiculous you go for, you'll be surprised at how many times you achieve it. And so you started off with almost no skills. What, what was your first client that you actually jumped into this process with? Your first high influence, high net worth uh, client? So um, I don't know how high influence. When you've got no money, anyone with 100 bucks looks rich. So I don't know how rich this guy was. But I remember one day I was working on the door and he paid his bar tab with his credit card, and it was the first time I ever saw a black Amex. All right? Now, I've seen titanium ones on a regular basis now. Um, And so, you know, that's not a big thing now, but I remember he paid the credit card bill, or he paid the bar tab, without even checking the bar tab. And I thought to myself, how rich do you have to be to not even have to check it? You just know. I knew exactly to the cent how much money I had in my bank account. So this was the first client that I went... That's what I want. I want to be able to pay a bar tab without even looking at the bill. That, for me, at the time, was the sign of ultimate affluence. And he said to me that he, uh, he came up to me one night with his mates, 
And he said, are you going to the yacht party? Now, I was living in Hong Kong at the time on the door of this nightclub. And I knew where all the parties and clubs were because I was on the door a lot of the time. And um, I was like, oh, I don't know, maybe. I didn't even know what he was talking about. And I said, which one are you talking about? And he told me. And it was just around the corner from the club because like Hong Kong is a very small island. There's harbors all the way around it. So I went, let me, I don't know, let me see. Let me see what I can do. I walked around there. And as I walked down, I could see them loading up this yacht for this party. And there's a girl out the front just checking through these notes. And I went up to her and I went, hey, how are you doing? Um, and do you remember I said to you at the beginning, if you don't like the answer, change the question? Yes. I said to you, do you want to have dinner with me tomorrow night? I've got a 50-50 chance of you saying no. Now I'd also, say yes to you, Steve. Any, ah, any night of the yes. week, you choose Thank the night. <laughs> but I, I'm at risk. I'm at risk of getting an answer that I don't want. But if I said to you, hey, should we have dinner tomorrow night? Would you prefer 7.30 or 9.30? Hey, now I'm getting an answer. that You may turn around and go, oh, I can't make it tomorrow night. Fine. What about the following? I'm still in the conversation. Very hard to get someone to come back from a no. Okay. So I walked up to this girl and I said, hey, how you doing? It looks like it's going to be a great night tonight. She's obviously on guard now. She's thinking, oh, what does he want? I don't know him. He wants an invite. I said, look, I got four guys coming into your party tomorrow, tonight. Very assumptive. I got four guys coming into your party tonight. I just wondered, would you like them to turn up at 8.30 before the queue starts? Or would you prefer they turned up at like 10 o'clock once the bottleneck's gone down a bit? What would be best for you? And she straight away, because everyone's got a knee-jerk reaction. She straight away started flicking through the chart. Now, bear in mind, I hadn't even given her the names. And she starts doing this. And I said, look, I don't want to get in your way. You know, I know you're going to be very busy tonight. I'm just trying to work out what would help you. And she turned around and she went, I can't remember which one she chose, but she chose one of 8.30. And I went, fantastic, thank you. Hey, I'm sure it's going to be a fantastic night, but let's be honest. The people are going to go in there. They're going to have a few drinks. They're going to enjoy the night. They're going to go home. They're not going to be rude, but they're going to forget to say thank you to you. I want to say thank you now. And I pulled out my wallet and I pulled out 200 bucks, of which I had, I think, 400 bucks in there. So I've just given her 50% of my worldwide income. And I gave her 200 bucks and I said, tomorrow night, grab a takeaway, a nice bottle of wine and just be thankful the night's over. It went without a hitch and you threw an amazing party. Have a good night tonight. And I turned around to walk away. And she called me. She went, well, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Um, what are their names? And I went, oh, it's, uh, and I rang off the names and she just wrote them down on the front of the sheet. So I said to her, well, look, do you, do you want them to just get in line or do you want them to ask for you personally? What would you put? She went, you, are, you get them to ask for me personally. I'll make sure they get seated and they get looked after. She said, you do. And I went, thank you. I walked back to the club walked through the front door. I'd taken off my black tie. So I put my tie back on. I walked up to the boys and I went, hey guys. Uh, I was thankful they were still there because I was thinking I've just spent 200 bucks. They may have left. So I walked up there and I went to, all right boys, I've made a phone call. I didn't even have a phone. So, you know, just winging it. I went, I've made a phone call. I've had to pull a few strings, but you're in tonight, 10 o'clock. You are on the VIP list and you asked for Becky by name. 500 bucks per person. I've got to look after a few people. And they went, absolutely. 
bang, started threading it out. I had made $1,800 not to get them into the party, but to save them the embarrassment of getting turned away. And I was like, ah, oh, they're not paying to get in. They're paying for someone else making it happen. And I suddenly, and that was my first, that was my first aha moment. And the higher the profile you get, the less you want to call in favors. You know, because if if Brad Pitt wants to get into a restaurant, the restaurant's going to be calling the paparazzi, or the restaurant will turn around and go, no, we're not letting you in. And then tomorrow it's like, we're so exclusive, we even declined Brad Pitt. So what happens is the higher profile you get, the more of, a, of an asset to their marketing you become. So literally, people contact me to get them into stuff that they could get into for free, but it's cheaper to pay me 10 grand than to put up with the shit that these guys get. I've had people go into hotels. I've checked into the hotel. I've got the keys. I've gone to the back door, got them in, gone up to them, give them that, uh, that room and everything. And I've had people go, why didn't you tell me so-and-so was coming? And I've said, because that's the reaction I would have got. Exactly. Steve, that is such a, a powerful story. I don't, I don't know I've ever heard that in any of your podcasts before. So thank you for sharing that one with us. Um, I only did it for you because my boy, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just you. You are the man. So Steve, what are you working on? You know, I'm huge and big value adding and giving back. So what is it your mission is if somebody's listening right now and they, they want to serve you in some way or find out what you're working on, what would that be? Well, the bottom line of it is I spent many, many years getting all of this uh, intelligence and genius from these people. Um, and now I'm actually spreading it out to entrepreneurs. So for 25 years, I was spending billionaires money, you know, to give them more interesting cocktail stories. Now I'm using all of the assets that I learned to work with um, entrepreneurs. Now, people can pick up the book, Bluefish and the Art of Making Things Happen. They can join my free Facebook group, An Entrepreneur's Advantage with Steve Sims or they can jump in at the deep end um, and join Sims Distillery. So there's many different ways, but this isn't a pitch fest. I'm trying to get people to do things different. I'm, I'm 55 years old. I've got a lovely collection of motorcycles. I live up in the hill. I'm fine, okay? But I want people to do things differently. And here's something that people should be scared shitless of. When COVID hit, the thing that I kept hearing was, Oh, I can't connect with my friends. I can't hang out now. I can't do bullshit. The truth of the matter is we stopped connecting the first time a social platform was invented. The first time the Friendster turned up and then MySpace. And then, you know, you give birth to a baby. You don't phone up your mates anymore. You post it on Facebook and you're pissed off if you don't get 20,000 likes because of your little baby that all, always looks like Winston Churchill, you know? It's just that kind of shit that we're getting really, really, really bad at being able to communicate with people, building up relationships. And I'm telling you, in an AI world that's only going to get bigger, now is the time we focus on conversations and relationships, even when those conversations are sometimes hard to have. Steve, that's that's why you are so big in our community. So I'm on a mission to build 100 millionaires who are inspired to build 100 Excellent. millionaires. Excellent. And it, it's all communication. It all comes to serving other people, adding value. What your mission is, is the epitome of what's broken in society right now and the solution to it will make people rich. There's no getting around it. You will be rich if you can communicate well. Yeah. 
but it's it's not difficult. You have a series of questions that you ask people, and then you, you communicate very clearly with a desire to help. Uh, so, Steve, I know you've got another project to jump into right after this, and I always ask this one question to the people I, I respect the most. What if you could travel back to 20-year-old Steve Sims and give yourself three pieces of advice that would get you to where you are, happier, wealthier, and more impactful, because I know you're, you're a man of impact, what would those three pieces of advice be? Stop eating so much fried food. Stop drinking the shit whiskey. And there may be a couple of girlfriends I'd tell him to avoid. Um, but outside of that, nothing. Because you've openly and proudly, and thank you for, for admitting it, you've failed so many times that you don't remember. Okay? But every time you failed, you become educated and empowered. Now, just imagine if someone enabled you to skip all of those lessons, all of that empowerment, all of that education, all of that confidence, and you landed where you are now with your bank balance and with a climb, you'd be fucked. You would not gone. know what to do with it. Okay? But I made a load of money, and then I lost it just as fast. But I learned how to make it, and even better still, I learned how to not lose it. I became empowered. Why would I spare those beautiful moments, even though sometimes they're shrouded by tears and restless nights? When you get over that and you go, that didn't kill me, you know? I, th I thought it was, but it didn't. Bring it on. If that's all you got, bring friends, you know? And that's, that's the empowerment. So I, I, those are the three things I would, I would tell myself, but none of them would have anything to do with business. That's huge. Steve, that's, that's a life lesson. And honestly, I'm so blessed for you to be on the podcast sharing with us. I know everybody listening right now feels the same way. You have uh, what we call an alchemist mindset. You're one who transforms themselves so you can transform others. And I saw that through uh, all the products you've put out there, the courses you're doing. So, Steve, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, what is your website's name? And what's the name again of the podcast? So the podcast is The Art of Making Things Happen with Steve Sims. And my Instagram handle, my Facebook, everything is Steve D. Sims. But on the website, it's sims.com. There's D for dog in the middle of there. And there's only one M in Sims. Steve D. Sims.com. Or follow me on Instagram and let me try and show you how wonderful and rosy my life is. <laughs> I, I do follow you on Instagram. So Steve, thank you so much for your time, brother. For everybody listening, go and like the iTunes channel, Alchemist Nation podcast, and then like Steve's podcast as well. Because if we're adding value to you, I want more people to have that exposure. So if you find something is adding value, share it with other people. Cheers to your success. We have a choice. Always work with the best. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate you, brother. Awesome job today. Cheers, pal. Thanks for having me.